Thank you for joining us today. Now that Christmas is over, Pastor Rander challenges us with a life-changing question. How will we live after Christmas Day? The fact that we are able to hear today's message tells us that God has extended His grace to us in a new year, an opportunity to live for Him on earth and ultimately with Him eternally in heaven. Will we do what we've always done? Or will we commit ourselves to consistently seek God, hear God, trust God, and obey God? The Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, nothing shall be impossible. We must be totally committed to Him, just as He is totally committed to us. He's given us another chance. What will we do with it? Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. You may be seated in the presence of God. And Father, help me to preach now in the power of your spirit, realizing I can do nothing without you. Anoint me now. Fill me with your spirit. We pray against satanic distractions. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to receive the word of God, apply it, and live thereby. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Good morning. morning. That was kind of weak. Good morning. morning. It's so good to be in the house of God today. It's just good to see all of you. We bless be God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, Scripture text for this morning comes from uh, Psalms 122 verse 1. Psalms 122 verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And from this particular verse, we want to preach this morning once again, I'm glad to be back in God's house. I'm glad to be back in God's house. Many people and even believers have no idea of the immense value that the church really has which results in their not seeing a need to come into God's house and worship with his people on the Lord's day. They've either gotten comfortable staying home because of Bible teaching on radio, television, social media, internet, small group Bible studies, looking at YouTube, Zoom, or perhaps many saints through the number of weeks that the churches have not had in-person worship they have become apathetic and even fearful, just to name a few. And I want to tell you something. Some people don't come to church because the real issue is perhaps that they don't even have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, these are not substitutes for being uh, an active member and attendee of the local church. Uh, Coming to the Lord's house to worship him in spirit and in truth it's not an option. We are mandated. We are commissioned. We, we, we are uh, commanded to come into God's house on the Lord's day and worship him in spirit and in truth. God wants us to be active participants in the house of God, worshiping him and also serving his people in these perilous times in which we live. It is absolutely incredible how Satan has duped so many Christians into thinking that it's unnecessary to worship with God's people on the Lord's day. As a result, many saints have have become spiritual babies or they 
either remain in the state of babyhood, uh, they're biblically illiterate, some saints are stagnant because they have an on and off attendance when it comes to dealing with the Lord's house, some are disconnected, many saints are unstable, transient, lack a spiritual support system. And Satan is a specialist to get you to disconnect from the church because if he can get you to just stay away, uh, he can just call you to become lethargic, apathetic, uh, slow, and uh, cause your faith to just drag. And uh, he, he wants you unstable. Satan wants you transient all over the place. But this is a place of refuge. It's a place of spiritual nourishment to the glory of God. It's a place where you can come and have God speak to you. Like my niece said uh, the other day, uh, her father's a pastor. She said, you know, Daddy, I've been watching us on social media for a number of weeks, but I'm ready to go back to church because it's nothing like being in the Lord's house with his people, and there's no substitute for that. And when you have a teenager saying that, then you know that there is a difference uh, in being at home versus being being at church. It's something about being here, the energy. Like I said, the first service, uh, all these Wednesdays, I was coming up here doing the broadcasting and all these things, and I was preaching to chairs, looking at the camera. Nobody say amen. Nobody say go ahead on. Nobody wave their hand. No no, no interaction, no energy. And um, I, I did it, and it was a test for me, but I tell you, you sure look good today. Seeing you is such, such a blessing. Thank you for being here, and thank you that I'm not preaching the seats. <laughs> now, when I say come to the Lord's house on the Lord's day to worship him in spirit and in truth, uh, I'm not talking about those whose health or circumstances won't permit them to come. We certainly understand that if your health or situation or being in a nursing home, or assistant living facility, transportation problems, uh, circumstances beyond your control. We certainly, certainly understand that. So please don't take it personally that way. But I do have to preach the truth because the truth is worth preaching. We certainly understand your situation. Many churches are losing their effectiveness in making a spiritual impact on the rapidly decaying culture in which we live. There are churches that have drifted away from teaching sound biblical truth, which has weakened their influence in the world. And the reason the world is just uh, going awry and the world is just out of control is because the church has become very weak. Many churches have become spiritually anemic and are losing their ability to impact unbelievers and the unchurch. This country, America, will not be transformed through education, intellectualism. It will not be transformed through celebrities. This nation will not be transformed through the media, talk shows, not even politics. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our only hope in these evil, decadent times in which we live. God requires his church to dispense the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are lost and headed toward a Christless eternity in the lake of fire. People are going to hell and they're going there in droves. We have the gospel. We have the key to the kingdom. And God wants us to tell the good news of Jesus Christ so that people, men, women, boys, and girls can be saved from that terrible place called hell. 
While this nation is gradually reopening its businesses, the church must realize how essential her role is in society and be a beacon light for those who are in desperately need of of a word from the Lord in the midst of depression. People are in need of a word from God uh, in the midst of depression and fear, worry, sickness, and death. What is unfolding right before our eyes in the midst of America is injustice. As you cut on the television, look at all of the atrocities, the, the horrific images of racial unrest, protests, riots, violence, and destruction in the wake of the brutal murder of George Floyd. Where is the voice of the preacher? Where is the voice of pastors? Where is the voice of Christians? We are the salt of the earth. In the midst of confusion, we need to speak out. We need to speak in the wilderness. We need to be a voice in this society. In the midst of anarchy and out of control behavior, we need to rise, shine, speak up and glorify God and realize that we are ambassadors. We represent God in this nation. And if folk can't see God in us, then where will they find him? This is no time for churches to be closed in America while Satan is having a field day in our nation. It's high time for churches to reopen and be about the father's business. Well, what is the church? What is the church? Many people uh, today think that the church is an organization, uh, but it's not an organization. The church is the bride of Christ of which uh, Jesus is the head. The church is an organism. The church is not a social club. The church is not a place to make business connections. The church is not uh, a denomination. I believe some saints going to get up to heaven and they're going to ask Jesus, where's the Baptist section? Uh, where's the Methodist section, uh, the Pentecostal section? Where's the non-denominational section? No sections like that. We are one body of believers. We're going to be a great host, a company uh, that no man can number around the throne of God. And we're not going to become portmentalized like that. The church is not a building. Uh, the building can be closed, but the church goes on. Some buildings no longer exist, but the church goes on. These kinds of things is not a biblical understanding of the church. The church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is defined as an assembly. The church is defined as an assembly or called out ones. The church is defined as an assembly or called out ones. The church was born on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 and verses 6 through 8. Again, the church was born on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, verses 6 and 8. If you can find it, uh, it'll be wonderful if you can find it, because you need to see that. Perhaps it's been quite a while since you looked at this particular passage of Scripture. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, verses 6 and 8. Uh, you'll see there uh, a passage for your reading. It says, on the day of Pentecost, underline that word Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And you know why the church can't get anything done? Because the church, for the most part, in many instances, are not unified. They're not on one accord. So much disgruntlement and so many factions in the church. 
People fight over the color of uniforms, the color of of robes, the color of carpet, the color of seats and various preferences that have nothing, uh, that has no eternal lasting value. But but here uh, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They were unified. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. The Holy Spirit did not miss not a one. And the Holy Spirit wasn't skipping a one because they were all saved. The Holy Spirit did not rest on a devil. He, he rested on a believer. You know, I wonder if you were in that upper room uh, 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 the Holy Spirit was falling on people today. Would, would the Holy Spirit miss you or would he settle on you? <laughs> uh, the, the flames or, t- of, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak and, uh, and began speaking in other languages. Underline that word languages as as the Holy Spirit uh, gave them ability when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language, their own tongue being spoken by the believers, by believers who were in that upper room whom the Holy Spirit had come upon. And verse eight, and yet we hear them speaking in our native language. We had people, languages, you had people coming in to celebrate Pentecost from Far and near, all kinds of people speaking in different languages. And the beauty of it is that they heard the gospel in their language by these common, ordinary believers speaking in a language that they hadn't spoken in before. It was supernaturally endowed endowed upon them. Uh, The Holy Ghost enabled them to speak in a known language. Notice the believers were not speaking in gibberish which is unintelligible or meaningless speech. They spoke in known languages where people far away in various various languages could understand the gospel in their language. What a day, how miraculous this was. The miracle of Pentecost was the wind of the spirit, which sounded like a rushing mighty wind filling the whole house what looked like flames or tongues of fire settling on each believer. And they're speaking in the various languages of the multitudes who had come to celebrate Pentecost. In verse one, the scripture says, on the day of Pentecost, back in verse one, on the day of Pentecost, right there, all the believers were meeting together in one place. In unity, obeying God, following his instruction. The reason many believers don't see God moving their lives is because they don't follow the precepts and commandments of Almighty God. Pentecost means 50th. Pentecost means 50th. It is the New Testament. It is the New Testament name for the Feast of Weeks, according to Exodus 34, chapter 34. 34 verses 22 through 23 and our harvest in Exodus 23:16. This is when God sent the Holy Spirit to come upon the believers. 
50 days after first Sunday following Passover, the Feast of Pentecost was celebrated according to Leviticus 23, chapter 23, verse 15. 50 days after the first Sunday following Passover, 50 days after first Sunday following Passover, the Feast of Pentecost was celebrated according to Leviticus 23, 15, uh, and according to Acts 1, 15, about 120, the scripture says about 120 believers were assembled in the upper room, which constituted the church, the, the inauguration of the church on the day of Pentecost. This group of believers on that day were the first fruits of the full harvest to come into the Lord's church. Uh, in other words, those believers uh, that became the church on that day in the upper room were the first fruit of many thousands and millions of people to follow uh, uh, later on. And we, we, we are part of that harvest that began right here in the upper room. Beloved, the church was born on the day of Pentecost and will remain and carry out the mission of Christ until she is raptured to heaven to be with the Lord, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. We must carry on the work of God through hardships. We must be the church through persecution. We must be the church through riots. We must be the church through viruses. We must be the church through political upheaval. We must be the church through all kinds of things, through wars and rumors of wars. God expects the church to still be the church and not to tuck our tails and run. We are to carry out the great commission until God calls us to heaven in a rapture, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The preaching of the gospel is to call lost people out of the world into a unique fellowship of those who have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I reiterate and I'll slow that down a bit. The preaching of the gospel is to call lost people out of the world. The preaching of the gospel is to call lost people out of the world into a unique fellowship, into a unique fellowship of those who have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preaching of the gospel is to call the lost people out of the world into a unique fellowship of those who have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is a community of believers who are born again, redeemed, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I reiterate, the church is a community of believers who are born again, redeemed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, it says, in him you, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. You hear the word, you believe the word. What word? The gospel of your salvation. The gospel is how Jesus came and died for our sins and was buried according to scripture and rose third day. That's the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15. And the scripture goes on to say, in whom also having believe. You can't be saved unless you believe the gospel, trust the gospel. Once you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? A lot of strange things are done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so, so many do not know uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they fall short in this area. Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? The, the Holy Spirit is God. Let's just start right there. He, he, he is God. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person. He's not an it. He's a person. He's a he. He is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity and is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers? What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers? Number one, the Holy Spirit seals us. He seals us. Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So he sealed, we'll seal at conversion, at salvation. The Holy Spirit works the work of regeneration. We are sealed by the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are saved by the, the Holy Spirit. We are placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit guides us into the will of God. The Holy Spirit guides us into the will of God. You say, where is that? The Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 13. He guides us into the will of God. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit will give you revelation into God's word, illumination into God's word, clarity into God's word. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit knows the past. He knows the present and he knows the future because he is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He's all of that in the name of God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit forbids. He'll stop you from doing certain things. He will redirect you. When you're going to a wrong direction, he will, he will convict you and he will put you back on the right path if you're listening to him. So he forbids. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. Go look, the Holy Spirit kept kept Paul and his companion from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You thought preaching preaching is a good thing. It's the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said, yes, preaching may be a good thing, but you're not going to preach there at this time. And the Holy Spirit forbade uh, them from preaching the gospel in that location. Verse seven says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says yes, sometimes the Holy Spirit says no, and sometimes the Holy Spirit says wait. Have you ever tried to 
do something, you wanted to buy something, or you're trying to get to a certain place, or trying to make a certain move in your life, and it never worked out, no matter how you try, you try, you try, and it just wouldn't work, and uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, unknowingly to you, was forbidding you to have this experience, or to ascertain a certain thing, or get to a certain place, because he knows what was ahead as to what you were going into. And he was trying to keep save you some tr- unnecessary trouble, and when you looked years later and saw retrospectively how the Holy Spirit was forbidding you to do a certain thing, you start shouting later on in life because had you gotten what you wanted back then, you'd have messed yourself all up. I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit tells you no, that's a sweet answer. When the Holy Spirit says no, accept his no, because that no is a blessing. He's looking out for you. He knows what's best for you. Amen? And this, just like the Holy Spirit forbids, number four, the Holy Spirit also permits. He permits you to do certain things. In Acts chapter 16, verse 10, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There, the Holy Spirit permitted Paul to preach the gospel in this particular location. He permits He denies one way and then he permits in another instance. So sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says wait because he he is omnipresent. He's omnipotent and he's omniscient. Uh, Number five, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks. He talks. The devil talks, too. And the reason so many people get in trouble, particularly Christians, they spend too much time talking to the devil or talking to satanically inspired people. The reason Eve got in trouble is he spent too much time talking to the devil instead of talking to God. You know, when you talk to the devil, you you are in a you headed for trouble. You headed, and the devil can speak through a lot of people, influential people. The devil can speak through the media, uh, the family members. The devil can speak through anybody. And uh, to trip you up and to mess you up and to get you out of sync. The Holy Spirit speaks. Uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 29 says, The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. That is the Holy Spirit giving concise instruction, clear instructions. Go to that chariot. The Spirit told Philip. You see? Told Philip. Go to the chariot and stay near. As Pastor Rander concludes this message, let us commit ourselves to the fruit of the Spirit as given to us in the Word of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let us commit ourselves to giving our best service to God in all that we do. For when we give God's way, as his word tells us, we will receive in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you enjoy this kind of Bible teaching, please join Pastor Rander at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas.